about every guest. They're the best. All of you are the best. And I love you. <laughs> I truly enjoy having conversations with people who are much more well-adjusted than I am, to use Jenny's terms. I am not well-adjusted. I am just coming off of a depression. But having this conversation was so beautiful because you get to kind of see what things could be like. Um, they don't necessarily have to be heavy and tragic and devastating is the word that I'm looking for. Things can be beautiful and hard and definitely still full of grief, but they can be different. And so I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation with Ginny. She is someone that I hope to be better friends with and that I really learned a lot from in this conversation. Let's get into it. It gets me at the beginning. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, it's counting down. Um, so you actually approached me for the interview. So I, I, well, yeah, you were telling me about that you had a podcast. And I was like, I love podcasts. Yes, I love them too. Um, so we met at work. So I don't know very yes. much about you yet. So where are you from? I am from South Carolina. Do you have siblings? Yes, I've got three siblings. I am third. I've got an older brother, an older sister, and a younger brother. Oh, so you're like semi-middle. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm the younger middle. Yes. <laughs> what was it like growing up there? I mean, I don't know. It was almost like the traditional all-American type family. Like, we played together my best friend lived next door so like you know he would come over or I would go over to his house like on a daily basis pretty much um you know I would play with my sister like constantly and I also like lived we shared a room and so we fought constantly as well um you know especially as we got older so you know in my my I never moved I lived in the same house my whole life my parents are still together so like it was almost like the ideal quote unquote, you know, like situation. Mm -hmm. I was, oh. I was pretty well adjusted, which is nice. That is really nice. <laughs> I do shared a room with my sister though. And that was not fun. Were you the messy one or was your sister? Um, we were pretty equal, I'd say, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, somewhere in between, you know, I guess we we were tidy. You know, we had some stuff on the floor, but it wasn't disaster. But there was one point I remember, I, I don't know if maybe we were fighting over who had to clean their room, but my mom put a strip of tape down the middle of the room <laughs> and we had, you know, one side we had to clean, whichever side our bed was on. And I was mad because my side had a little bit of extra, you know, where the door was. And I was like, why do I have to, you know, like, uh -huh. <laughs> there was some kind of drama with it. But I don't entirely remember. <laughs> honestly genius on your mom's part <laughs> i know i know and i think i remember my sister would like doodle on the tape she put like little stars and hearts and she oh. always definitely said like don't cross you know like this side <laughs> is my side <laughs> oh that's so funny to decorate this <laughs> that's yes i love that yes <laughs> are you close to your siblings um i am I wouldn't say we are close. Like my brother came and visited in July and I'm actually going to go visit my sister on Monday. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we in have South Carolina? like in Hawaii, actually. <gasps> oh, that's exciting. Yeah. She is a travel nurse. Um, and she's been all over, especially during COVID. She's been to a lot of hot spots. Like she was in New York last spring kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but right now she's in Hawaii and I was like, I'm going to come visit you because I'd have free housing and a free car while I'm there. And I just can't pass that <laughs> up. Um, but I'd say we have like the grown up sibling respect, you know, like we're not like buddies, but we don't argue when we're together. You know, we don't, we do talk and we do text each other. We have a group chat, you know, so like we'll text each other, we'll send each other memes and things, but it's not like we're calling each other and saying, you know, calling each other on a weekly basis or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's really good though. Like a lot of people don't have that. So I am just going to kind of dive right into it. Do you have a particular instance of grief that you wanted to share? Yeah, I do. And it actually happened really recently. Um, I don't even know where to begin with it. So I was in a relationship for four and a half years. Um, and just in January, no, July, we separated. Mm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It, it's, it's actually okay. And that's actually what I wanted to talk about was that he basically gave me a heads up months in advance. So he, um, is from North Carolina. We met while I was in college and he moved with me. So after I graduated, I started traveling around for work and he went with me and he was really, he's really the kind of guy who he wasn't meant to go anywhere. You know, the kind of guy who would never leave North Carolina because it's comfortable kind of thing. And so the fact that he moved in the first place, um, was a pretty big deal, you know, like he very clearly cared about me. And so together we lived in Wisconsin and in Nebraska and in Texas and then in Colorado. Wow. And I always knew from the moment we moved to Colorado that he was going to want to move back. And I would even say things like, oh, you know, we'll probably be moving back in three to five years, but I'm going to, I'm going to try and make it five, you know, like, eh, you know, cause I knew I wanted to stay here and I knew he wanted to go. Um, but I figured the time was right. I would know it and we would, you know, make that move together. And then last November, so almost a year ago now, he said, Hey, I really think it's time for me to go. And I don't expect you to move with me, which, you know, was such a complicated moment. Cause I was like that stings to hear you say that, but also you're correct. I don't want to move. I was nowhere near ready to move because most of my time in Colorado had been spent during a pandemic. So I was like, I have not even begun to scratch the surface of what this place has to offer. I'm happy here. You know, the job that I love, I work in theater, you know, it, it hasn't even opened back yet. I haven't been able to do that job in a while. So like, I was like, I'm not ready to move, but I understand that you are, um, I got, you know, I got it. And because I loved him so much, I was, I did my best to be as supportive as I could. Cause obviously there were moments that were way more difficult. We ended up getting a therapist to like help us kind of like talk through it and figure it out. And there were lots of tears and, you know, we had, had lots of discussions because, you know, I think he was kind of hurt that 
because it was him making the decision to move, it's easy to assume that he is excited, that he's looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. But he, he kept saying, like, this is this sucks for me, too. You know, like, I, I'm doing this because I think this is what's best for me, cause it's, but it still is really difficult. And so I think it was, yeah, it was just, it was just insanely hard. Um, and so he ended up moving in July and we do still talk on a daily basis, especially like he was, he's a car guy. And so I just had my car maintained and he called me and talked me through everything the, the guy with the mechanic was doing. So, you know, we're still like friends now to, to the point where like, it's weird to call him my ex because mm. I feel like that implies that we, you know, we don't, we ended on bad terms when we didn't. But in regards to grieving, when he left, you know, that first day was really hard. Um, you know, I like came home and sobbed into his pillow kind of thing, you know, yeah. uh, like this used to be his, you know, this pillow it case. smells like him. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but then like every day after that got way easier than I expected, much quicker. Um, I... You know, I I thought that there would be, I don't know, a month or whatever where I'd be, you know, crying myself to sleep or something, but it wasn't. And I think that's because I had a chance to grieve before he left. Mm. You know, I got to know ahead of time um, what was happening and I had a chance to process it. And I did grieve. There were many moments Mm. that, you know, I, I would look up from whatever we were doing and going, this won't be happening again. You know, this, this nice moment we're sharing is going, uh, you know, there aren't going to be any more of these. So being able to grieve beforehand, I think gave me a really nice chance to, it, it wasn't nearly as hard as it could have been. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I feel that's not something a lot of people get. Like that was so kind of him to just kind of bring you into that. Because yeah. I, I feel like like you hear it more often than not, like, oh, she just packed up and left. Like, In the she, middle of the night. Yeah, like couldn't handle it anymore. Just she's gone now. And yeah, he, and he, he said he considered doing that. Um, mm. Although truly, logistically, that would have been impossible. You know, he ha- still had to pack up everything and mm-hmm. and do all that kind of stuff that like there's unless he did it while I was on vacation which I guess he could have, that would have been nearly impossible. So, but yeah, I think, I think when he told me it was almost like he was so heavily weighing on his mind that he almost blurted it out pretty much. Wow. Talk to us a little bit about what it was like to talk that through with a therapist. Cause that's not yeah. very common either. Mm-hmm. So we started seeing a therapist like in January and for a few weeks, we were just doing kind of regular couple therapy. We were talking about, you know, what kind of got pushed each other's buttons, you know, like and how we could work around that and how we could have a more like productive um, and loving relationship. And the whole time she knew and we knew that there was something big kind of hanging over us that we wanted to discuss, but you know, kind of every time I'd be like, are you feeling comfortable? You know, I'd ask, I'd say like, you know, how do you feel about talking about it today? And he'd be like, I don't really want to today. So it took him a little while to finally come to terms with talking about it. And then when we did, you know, lots and lots of tears and and very similar to what I've been telling you, you know, I think the most important thing that she taught me was, well, that she 
told me about, I should say, is that, you know, there's that weird duality of holding two emotions at the same time, which, you know, and then one was, of course, absolute grief and heartbroken, just devastated that he's leaving. And then the other time, other flip side of that coin, there's a little bit of relief, you know, because there were issues in our relationship and because, you know, I am a pretty independent person. So, you know, being single again is like, oh, well, well I, you know, I don't feel I'm not mm-hmm. as tied down anymore. You know, I can't do this. I can, you know, without whatever, you know, I'm losing a best friend, but since I'm gaining some freedom and like holding those at the same time together was really difficult. And talking to her was probably what helped me move past that, especially. Yeah. Cause you can have that, like, I don't know. It's almost like you feel like you're a bad person for having that relief. Exactly. I really, really did. Mm. But it's like necessary. Like it's like, you can't help but feel those things. Like you're, they're just the feelings that you're holding. Mm -hmm. That's so important to learn. And something that is like a continual lesson, right? Because the more you go through grief, like people, you know, will die eventually. Like there will be things that happen that are harder or harder in that moment. And like, you're always going to have to be thinking about like that duality, that multiple feeling. That's really Mm -hmm. cool that you got to learn that within this because breakups suck. (laughs) (laughs) They really do. I guess I don't think I've ever thought about it within that context because I'm the one that's like heartbroken and then I'm fully heartbroken for months. And mm. then I swap back over to fully independent. But like, it always takes me a good chunk of time. Um, so it's interesting. Talk to us a little bit about like that pre-grieving, like lots of tears. Like what else did that like process look like for you? Well, yeah, like first and foremost, there's lots of tears. And there would be times that, you know, I would be somewhere else. And it would be, you know, the kind of cloud would come over me and I'd come home weeping. And, you know, the person I want to talk to is him. You know, Mm, I want him to be the one to comfort me. And it's it's so strange because he can't just comfort me because he also is grieving. You know, he also is going through that. And there's a moment where I'm like, but but we're talking about me right now. You know, like, I know that <laughs> yeah. you're also hurting, but just let's focus on me. Um, so, you know, I, I talked to my mom and my friends a little bit about it, but um, I never really wanted to, you know, I was, I'm not a big sharer in my relationship because I'm always worried that like, if I'm going to be like, oh, you know, this kind of bad thing is happening, then they'll be like, why are you dating him? You know, like that's, I, yeah. that, um, get pushback so I've never been a really big sharer um in that aspect um so a lot of it was was private and internal you know a lot of it was in bed at night and actually in bed at night was really the main part you know he'd be next to me asleep and I would be thinking about what's gonna be happening um that that was pretty, you know, there, I don't think I necessarily would cry, but maybe I would well up, but like, you know, just laying in bed at night was really when, when everything's calmed down for the day, everything's settled. And I'm like, all that's left is to think about what's about to be happening to us. Mm. Yeah. Cause you have yeah. to reimagine what your future would be. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And that's another thing that, that happened after he left is the number of things that we had planned together that we were going to do together. And now obviously that's not going to be happening. You know, we wanted to uh, buy a property and build our own house, like that kind of stuff where, you know, we talk about that and we talk about the kind of things that we want in that house, you know, the, the smart TVs or, you know, the, just the, the silly things, you know, the plans that we'd have to travel and the things that we do together in the future and realizing those were gone. I didn't, I didn't realize that until he was gone, until it got brought up again. You know, another friend of mine is in a new relationship and the, she's kind of doing those things now. She's saying, oh, we're going to we're going to move to Vermont and we're going to build a house and it's going to be great and cottage core. And, and I'm like, oh, I used to I used to do things like that, mm. you know, and so that that was a surprise. Yeah. To lose those. Yeah. yeah. Have you started making plans for yourself? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) I almost felt a little guilty about that too, because, you know, I am, I am a huge planner. I make plans months in advance. And so, you know, even when I knew he was leaving in July, I was still making plans for like September, you know, because Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I'm not the kind of person just to sit at home. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah. So like Hawaii, I think I booked that right after he left. Or shortly after, yeah, yeah. So lots of plans. I'm, I, you know, meeting up with friends regularly and going out and doing things, getting brunch, getting drinks, or whatever. And it's it's weird. They've all said it. You know, like the like, especially back when it first when he first left, they're like, "You're like normal. <laughs> You're acting surprisingly <laughs> normal right now." And I was like, "I know. It's weird. I feel a little bit guilty about it. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like I should be kind of like mopey." or whatever, but I'm not because I knew he was leaving and now he is gone and now I am free. Yeah. Well, it almost seems to like, it gets to the point where like you're, you've expected this thing to happen for so long that you just want it to already happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I almost, there were points, I never said this to him, but I I was like, I wish you had told me later. You know, I'm glad you told me, but I Mm -hmm. wish you had told me like in March instead of in November. You know, mm-hmm. so I could have had a few more months of just kind of happy. Um, yeah. And then and then I could have had the time to to grieve and prepare. Yeah. Have you had like breakups before that were more devastating? No, I dated one guy right after high school just for the summer. And I basically when the summer ended, I said, hey, I'm going to college. I don't really want a boyfriend. Um, who's not going to be there as well. So peace, you know, and I think he was hurt a lot more by that. He already was much more into me than I was into him. So he, his name was, he came and visited me once at college. And I was like, this is great. Like, we're still friends. It's going to be great. And he was just mean. He was like, he like, he was like kind of dragging my school and being rude. And I was just like, you guys can go. I was yeah. like, I love it here and I don't need you in my life, basically. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, that night I cried because I was upset because I thought we were going to stay friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took, you know, took that into into leaving that I was like, I don't think, you know, like, I'm not expecting us to stay friends. You know, I'd like that because I care so much about you, but I doubt it. And so mm-hmm. I'm, it's honestly a little bit surprising that we do talk as much as we do. But yeah, with 
you know, I, I kind of left kind of like, oh, and that's done and we're <laughs> fine and nothing's going to be wrong after this. We're still going to be friends because we were friends before. Um, and then he was mean <laughs> and I was like, all right, and this is over now. Um, yeah. and I remember at that point, that was like the most devastating thing that he, he could have done that to me. And now it's just like, you know, now I'm a lot more flippant about it mm-hmm. because I was 18. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's still like super adult to just be like, I'm not going to be treated this way. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I feel like I might have like altered that memory a little bit in my head, but to my recollection, I literally <laughs> walked him back to his car and I said something along the lines of goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but but before that I didn't date anyone in high school and I really didn't date anyone in college either. Like I, you know, um I think I'm a very intimidating woman and so it takes some a certain type of guy to be like attracted to that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, where did you learn that? Like, have you always been very self-confident, very independent? Do you feel like there was a moment that you were like, hmm, I'm not going to take anything from anybody anymore? Um, I Yeah, I've always been very independent and very gregarious and outgoing. You know, the number one word people would call me, the kid was funky, you know, it's never a word used anymore. People don't say the yeah, word yeah. funky anymore, but oh my gosh, was I funky as a kid. Um, and so that's never been an issue for me. I wouldn't say I am very, uh, like take no, take no shit from people. Um, because I wouldn't say I'm like that. I think that one moment was very unlike me where I was. So mm. I loved my college. I was so happy to be there. And I was like, I didn't need you there. He also, he, he, the reason he visited was because he was already going to be in town visiting, going to like a a car show or something. Mm. And so he had a friend with him that I actually happened to also know. Um, Mm. But I think because the other guy was there, I might've felt a little bit more willing to say something because I was like, I don't care about you. You know, maybe it was just, I might've felt more like, Oh, please stop. You know, like, don't do that. That's hurting my feelings. But because the other guy was there, I was like, screw this. Um, (laughs) Like he had someone to care for him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can go complain (laughs) about me in the car on the way home. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I feel like after events, I can be a lot more rude about it. That is something Mm -hmm. I'd love to be better at is being just a little bit ruder to people who deserve it. You know, that's only happened a few times in my life where like mm-hmm. a customer will be like, this is wrong and you lied. Literally, that's, that is the quote pointing at me and saying, you lied. <laughs> and I said something like, okay. I used to work <laughs> at Old Navy and I was like, I don't need your money. You know, yeah. like I know that we are not hurting for cash right now. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, most, of, most of my life is, is um, I'm a, definitely a people pleaser. So I wouldn't say I, I regularly do that, but you know, when it does, it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a good feeling to stand up for it, yourself. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, so you're into theater. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell us a little bit about what you do and I guess what made you choose that? Like, how does that inform the rest of your life? Yeah. So I work in costumes. So I build costumes. I hold fittings. If I'm lucky, I'm designing. So I get to pull, build, buy, 
um, you know, create the look, you know, for every single character. Wow. Um, it's awesome. It's so much fun. It's a great, like, creative outlet. And, you know, it's uh, an amazing community theater. It's so much fun to be a part of it. It's so open and welcoming and fun. And, um, yeah, so I grew up doing theater. One of my oldest memories is going to see my dad in a show. And um, so, you know, I started auditioning for shows when I was really young. Um, like in kindergarten young. And um, there was a period of time where that kind of fell off. So I fell off the wagon and then I'm back in like middle school again, I picked it back up and I was just obsessed all through high school. I was in <laughs> constantly acting in shows, doing shows. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And when I got to kind of thinking about my future, I was like, I love theater, but I am not good with rejection. Mm. Um, and I don't think I quite have the talent. Like I can't sing very well. I can carry a tune, but like, I'm not an, an amazing singer. And like, I wasn't, I'm not a trained dancer. Like I, I like singing. I like dancing, but I'm not the best. So like mm-hmm. you need to be the best to be a professional actor. So at the same time, I was getting really into fashion and how I dressed. And I was like, you know what? I could combine those two. Um, and, and still be in theater and still play dress up every day, basically. And so that's, I went into college with a major in technical theater. Um, and I haven't looked back since. That's really cool. Where do you draw your inspiration from? From basically anywhere, like a lot of, you know, what I'm seeing in the world around me. Um, and then when it's a period piece, of course, you know, inspiration from actual images of that time. So you can like actually know the correct silhouettes and, 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 and fabrics and whatever color schemes from that time period. But it's a lot of like the, how the world has influenced me is how I want to influence this show. And so it's fascinating that, you know, you know, that this show in another designer's hands would be completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe an element or two might be similar, especially if you're doing like the Adams family. Obviously, Wednesday is going to be in a black dress with a collar or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of fun to, to, I like to take things and put a little twist on it. So it's actually funny I mentioned Adams family because I wouldn't put her in a black dress with a white collar. <laughs> so it's weird that I said that. But I love, yeah, I love little twists. I love little, like, little details and hints and things that are different and unexpected. Okay. So, Coming from an outside perspective, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Like, what little twists are you putting on things? Like, like what are your outside influences that you like to throw into the show? And Yeah, so, I mean, taking the Addams Family, I would mm-hmm. love to, like, modernize it. You know, the, sh- the, the comments came out in, what, like the 60s, I think? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the costumes in the stage play are, they are wearing what they wore in those old comics in the, um, um, Angelica, Angelica Houston movies from like the two mm-hmm. thousands or whatever. Um, and so I'd love to like bring it up to the modern time. So like I'd put, you know, for Wednesday's first look, she'd probably be in like, probably like leather pants and a structured jacket and like stiletto booties. It'd be something I got to put her in. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the jacket would have a white collar, you know, a white shawl mm-hmm. collar or something like that. And yeah. So things like that, where I'd, I'd update it, I'd modern it, modernize it. Or, um, I'm trying to think of another example. 
where, you know, I like to put women in pants when I can, you know, a lot of times it's very just easy, you know, there's kind of a go-to kind of uh, formula and a lot of times it's, you know, put women in dresses and put men in these things. And um, so it's, it's fun to switch that up and maybe put women in the pants. I don't think I've put a man in a skirt, <laughs> um, but I would, that would be a lot of fun. I'd love to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and just just little fun winks and nods that you know if it's caught it would be fun, but if it's not, then 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 it's for me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so uh, of course, so I'm influenced by um, you know current fashion trends or what people are seeing around me, what I think is cool, you know, outrageous silhouettes, nature, of course, you know, and then what you see in nature, and but a lot of it is 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 current fashion trends. That's really cool. So are you, because you're an artist, does that inform the way that you grieve? And I know that things have like kind of opened up, right? And you're part of theater again since uh, your partner left. Like, has that given you a place to process more or do you kind of separate the two? Um, I I think that him leaving is an ingrained part of my life now. You know, I think that goes with me everywhere. It doesn't necessarily get separated. And I truly, sometimes I cannot help myself from talking about him. You know, I'll be like, oh, well, this or that, just because of out of habit. Mm -hmm. He's been such a big part of my life for the last four and a half years. And now that he's gone, he's the the echo, the shadow of him is still there. Um, have I used art to help me process? No. Um, you know, I'm not a songwriter or a poet or an artist. I, that kind of thing hasn't really played a part. You know, I know, you know, I have a job to do that I get paid for. So I'm going to do that, you know, but he, he, he is always around me. You know, his, his presence, his ghost is always around me. And sometimes it's comforting. Um, and some, you know, sometimes it's informative. Sometimes it, it leads me, helps lead me to a decision. But sometimes it's like, oh, if he were here right now, he'd do this. You know, mm-hmm. if he could have gone on this trip with us, he would have had a great time. You know, he would have actually properly steered the canoe. You know, <laughs> silly things like that. He was a Boy Scout, so he had all these mm-hmm. skills that I didn't have. And so there's lots of times where I'd be like, man, if he were here, he could have fixed this or he could have done this, that, and the other. He could have lifted mm-hmm. this box. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, yeah. So I wouldn't say that, you know, he, he is absolutely with me while I'm working or while I'm in art, but if he is not, you know, that's not a part of my grief. Mm. Would you say that, I guess his ghost, like, would you say that his ghost has helped you see the world differently, absolutely. Like differently than if he were there? Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't think so necessarily. I think that he as a person really opened my eyes to, you know, what's actually happening in the world. Like I said, I was really sheltered growing up. So I, you know, trusted politicians, Mm -hmm. you know, I I thought that people, you know, were doing the things they're doing to help other people and not just out of greed and stuff, you know, stuff like that. So he, he was pretty cynical. And so that, you know, some of that, joined me joined my personality I guess and so I don't know if no yeah I wouldn't say that that him going or or what's happened after has really changed that 
but he has, you know, he did. Yeah. Cause it seems like, I feel like we all do this with our partners, like where we're somewhere and we're like, oh yeah, they would love this. And I, for me in, in my relationship, it's, I wouldn't have thought that, like, I wouldn't have thought to see it in that perspective mm-hmm. without that partner. Like if I didn't know them at all, it's like my brain wouldn't go there because it's a different. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like we could discuss this more, but my brain is drawing a bit of a blank because I am not a morning person. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I know we like had to do this because of the epiphany schedule and then they changed the epiphany schedule. So are you kidding? Why did we push it back? I want to stop longer. <laughs> I actually have, um, so I'm studying to be a death doula Mm -hmm. and part of that training is we need to have volunteer hours. Um, so I'm actually meeting with someone at one and I potentially have another interview before that, but she is doing like legacy projects for families. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to do as a death doula. So let's meet. So I'm going to meet with her to see about like starting to volunteer with hospice and all of that. Nice. Which is fun. Yes. <laughs> Very exciting. It's yeah. Like things, exciting. Are, things are tugging along. Yes. Exciting in a weird way. Cause I'm like, I'm going to be working with death, but I, I guess that's a good question to ask you. Like, have you had any other significant moments of grief in your life that you can remember or were, impactful to how you see the world now? Yeah, I was thinking about that um, before we got on um, and that I had like, you know, a grandparent die before I was born. And then I had very consistent, like no deaths in the family mm-hmm. at all, uh, to my recollection, at least um, until I was in college. I have never been to a funeral. Wow. Yeah. Um, so my, um, my great uncle, who is basically my, my grandfather, he passed away like freshman year of college. And then my grandma passed away. My Grammy passed away, um, like senior year. And then right after college, my, uh, my mom's dad passed away. And so kind of in quick succession, but like one after another, I like couldn't go to their funeral for one reason. Most of the time it was because I was in school. Mm-hmm. Or because I was far away and they were just like, it's not worth it for you to come home for this kind mm-hmm. of thing. I wasn't terribly close with my grandparents. You know, I visited them and I loved them as a child. But as you grow up, you mm-hmm. kind of realize that they have their own flaws as mm-hmm. humans do. And so I, I saw them a lot less growing um, as an adult. But the, the, the moment of grief that stands out to me the most is actually when my childhood dog died. I think also my senior year of college and she was, she was a lab. Her name was Trudy and she was 14 and a half when she died. Oh. She was an old lady. And basically every time I went home, you know, I, when I left, I would tell her goodbye. You know, I'd be like, mm-hmm. I might never see you again. So, you know, I love you and goodbye. And, but like that happened over and over again, it happened quite a few times. And she was clearly, she was old and tired and in pain And that was really all it was, you know, she wasn't, she had arthritis, but she wasn't like sick, sick. She didn't have cancer or tumors or anything. 
she was just old. And at some point my parents were like, she could keep living, but is this quality of life worth it? Mm, Um, and so, yeah, so they, they brought a vet to their house, um, to put her down because so like she, cause she always hated the vet. So they were like, we don't want her last memories to be afraid, you know? Yeah. And so they had this moment and it was my parents and my younger brother who was still at home at the time. And I remember, um, I was sitting in my room at my, um, at the house in college and, um, you know, getting the text that she had passed and I like walked upstairs and my best friends were sitting upstairs and I was like, she's gone. Um, <laughs> and, you know, just kind of like collapsed and cried yeah. and they comforted me. So that was really kind of the first moment that I really had really grieved. You know, there were times that I would weep for somebody when, when Papa T died or when somebody else passed, I would be like, that's, that's horrible. And I feel for them, but you know, 15 minutes passed and you're like, well, they're in a better place, you know? Mm-hmm. And when Trudy died, it was a lot harder for sure. Yeah. Cause they're like always there. They're I'm always there and they're, they're never bad. They're always yeah. good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got you. <laughs> yeah. And she, we adopted her when I was in first grade, I think. It sounds right. Mm-hmm. So like she, we essentially life. grew up together my whole life. Yeah. So. When she passed, it was pretty heartbreaking. Oh, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to think about that with any pet. <laughs> yeah, just recently, this year, my parents had adopted another lab. And they adopted her when she was already eight, I think. Um, and then she got sick quickly. She, they had her for two or three years and then she got really sick really fast. And I remember I was, I was living in Colorado and I got a call from my mom and I was like, Oh, Hey, what's going on? And she goes, Shelby just passed. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, you know, not had no idea she was even sick. It was so sudden. So that one was rough, but it was a lot harder on my parents because I loved Shelby because she's a dog and dogs are great, but like she was my parents' dog. And so that really was crushing for them. Um, but yeah, so, and they, and they have another, they have a puppy at the moment and they were like, when she goes, we are not getting another dog. Like we are not dealing with that grief again. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people say, yeah, a lot of people say that. And I I feel like a lot of the times they, you know, some time passes and they want to fill that, that hole, that gap. Um, cause they did the same thing with Trudy. When Trudy passed, mom was like, I will never get another dog. Um, and she was a cat person before getting Trudy and then she called herself. She was like, I'm a Trudy person. Like I'm not a dog person. I'm a Trudy person. Uh, but you know, they still got Shelby and then they got Kylie. So, um, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised. Although of course, you know, by the time Kylie passes, probably 10 years from now, mm-hmm. they'll be in their sixties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Late, late sixties. So they might not get a dog just because of the upkeep, you know, because they'll be old and tired. Mm-hmm. Your parents are young. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm 26. Okay. So I don't know how old you thought I was. My parents, my mom is 56 and my, is that right? No. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. My mom is 30 years older than me. My mom is 56 and my dad is 58. Okay. So normal ages. I think, I think that's pretty (laughs) standard. Yeah. (laughs) My parents are young. My mom is going to be 46. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's very young. I am 26. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, my mom had me when she was 29. My dad was 31. Okay. Yeah, so being being third kind of pushes back those years, but not by... That makes That's sense. pretty standard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your eldest sibling, your parents must have been young. Yeah, my parents got married when they were 23 and had when um, mom was 25. Hmm. That's nice. Yeah, that's normal. <laughs> I think that's pretty standard, especially in the 80s. Yeah. I think that's pretty much exactly yeah, what you did. You know, you graduate like college. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Gra- they followed the formula. They yeah. just had more kids than they, you know, the formula would say stop at two, but they had uh, four. Um, but my dad grew up with four kids, four, three siblings. There's four of them. So that's mm-hmm. what he wanted. Oh, and they've been together this whole time. They have. <laughs> yeah. So my, yeah. It, that makes it sound a lot nicer when I say it like that. My dad, my parents could also use a little bit of therapy. Um, my As dad is, we really could. Um, <laughs> but so they, they have their issues, but everybody does, but they do, they, yeah, they stay together and they, they do seem like a team that my mom is the, the heavy lifter for, but um <laughs> But my, my mom, mom is too. wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Like, like most older generation marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom is absolutely wonderful. She's, um, um, she was basically born to be a mother. Like she's mm. just so kind and caring and wonderful and supportive. And, um, so, you know, when she passes, that will be a, that will be a time, but that will never happen. That will be, <laughs> you know, a while from now. Yes. Yes. Ho- yes. That will be a long time from now. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to put yeah. that out there. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Mm, yeah, that's so beautiful to grow up in that. That's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remarkably well-adjusted, especially in a time where people are more open about their mental health and their, you know, their um, own kind of PTSD or whatever, that I'm like, oh, I don't really have any trauma. That's what I was looking for. Their own kind of trauma. Um, that I'm like, I don't really have any trauma, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, sympathize with you, but I can't necessarily empathize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I am remarkably lucky, you know, yes. to, to have kind of made it through childhood unscathed. Mm-hmm. That's actually like, we need people like that to know that it's possible. Yeah. You know, that's very true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, for me, it's not like I had an insane amount of trauma, but I did grow up with like anxiety and depression that were mm-hmm. worsened by little things. And having those friends that are like, no, like you can stand up for yourself. You can be better, like do whatever you want to do, like be independent. Like those friends like really get you through it. Cause they, yeah. even though they don't know what it's like, they know that things can be better. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've had to spend a lot of time learning, learning and help, learning how to help. Um, I mean, I had anxiety and depression. And so, you know, there would absolutely be those moments where, especially if I were like, I am up and ready to go, ready to face the sun. You know, I'd like to do this. He just wasn't. And I'd be like, you know, why can't you come to my level? You know, like, (laughs) but I, you know, I, I also understand at the same time that you just can't at that moment, Mm -hmm. you are stuck. And so learning that, that was sometimes a point of contention, right? He felt like a lot of times I, I wanted him to be on when he couldn't be on. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not trying to do that, I promise. But, you know, I'm sure my actions are saying otherwise. Yeah. I'm sure, though, it was also, like, good for him at times. 
I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Um, this actually made me think of the song First Thing to Go by Haley Williams, which I'm sure you will discover I am a huge fan of. Um, but she talks about, in the song, essentially, the ghost of her past relationship and how she's afraid that she'll forget what this person is like. But at the end, she kind of talks about how she loves what's left after being in that relationship. Like, she loves who she is. She loves what's left behind. Um, and I think that that's beautiful. Because every single person that we have a relationship with is going to leave something behind. And that's kind of what we're made of. And we hope that those things are good. We hope that those things are beautiful. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this. I hope that you are having a wonderful day wherever you are. I hope that you're being safe, that you feel loved. If you felt connected to this conversation, please reach out to us on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on Spotify. But yeah, take care. Original music by Kyle Porter and editing by Emmanuel Zarate. Take care, y'all.